Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have you ever shot a drag queen? <laughs> that sounded hilarious. He's, he's a photographer. Have you ever taken photos of a drag queen? What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys. A musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, you guys, this week we have so much to talk about. First of all, diving right in. You guys, it's no secret that I'm a slut for Chicago the Musical, but let me tell you, I got to see none other than Jinx Monsoon as Matron Mama Morton in Chicago on Broadway, and oh my God, I, I can't even describe how floored I was by this person's performance. I have been a fan of Jinx Monsoon for years, obviously because of Drag Race and then her her triumphant return in the most recent season of RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars, All Winners. But I have such a deep respect for her as a performer. I know that she is a theater person at heart. She went to school for theater. She's a seasoned comedian. And a downright goofball. And when I tell you, she brought such soul to this role. She was warm and silly and nuanced and just everything that you want in a Broadway performer. And you could just tell that she has wanted to do this for so long. And I think it's so special that you can reach some sort of level of fame or notoriety in one facet of your life and still have dreams outside of that, that you look forward to reaching. And it felt so thrilling to get to watch her live a dream. I know firsthand how special it is to get to take a bow on that stage with that company and that orchestra. And it's something I will never, ever take for granted. So to see someone who I have loved for so long up there living their dream is really, it's unmatched. I'll never forget it. And I had the crazy good fortune of getting to go out after the show with some of the cast. Um, and Jinx was there. And so I got to meet her and she was just the loveliest, silliest, the, the truly the exact idea of what you think meeting Jinx Monsoon would be like. <laughs> 
Oh, um, another show that I just recently got to see was Kimberly Akimbo. If you have not seen this show, run to, what is it, the booth? The booth theater? I think so. Run and see it. It is so incredible. It's so original and poignant and special. Victoria Clark is obviously just unparalleled. I did wish that they had given her more vocal opportunities just because she's such an iconic vocalist, but she turns the party in this role. It is so funny and so sweet and and just melancholy in the most lovely way. And I also have to give a special shout out to Ali Mozzie. She was, in my opinion, the best part of the show. I have been such a fan of hers for so long. Her Glinda is like one of my absolute favorites. And she just has the goods, the comic chops, the vocals, everything. It, she was superb. One other show that I just got to see was Anthony Rapp's solo show, Without You, off-Broadway at New World Stages. It was so, so beautiful. It chronicles his experience working with Jonathan Larson um, up until Jonathan's passing. And it also talks about how um, he had to deal with his mother's cancer diagnosis and eventual passing all, all at the same time. It is so lovely and beautiful. And Anthony Rapp sounds just like he did on the original Rent recording. It's crazy. Um, I highly recommend you got to check it out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On my pod, you guys, this week we are joined by a New York City-based photographer extraordinaire, Mr. John Taylor. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Where are you calling from? Uh, my bed in Astoria. Fantastic. Uh-huh. Oh, first of all, let me ask, what are your pronouns? He, him. He, him pronouns. Okay, great. I use he, they pronouns, but I often always just tell people that you can pretty much call me whatever, as long as it's respectful. So Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Makes it easy. So you and I met when my dear friend, Leslie Blake Walker, reached out to you to do um, a pretty like conceptual photo shoot. Right. But what brought you first to 
to photographing performers. Leslie um, is in the Broadway revival of Funny Girl, um, and I have known her through my experience with with musical theater and, and school. Mm-hmm. Um, I know she's clearly not the only performer that you <laughs> have photographed. So, what oh, first no. brought you to to that? I my first real like run in with performers was probably in high school. Um, all of my friends were were in musical theater one way or another. Um, and I was the one with crippling stage fright. So I <laughs> really wanted to be a part of that world, but not be in the spotlight. I am very much an introvert. I very much like to hide behind something. And the camera kind of gave me the opportunity to do that. And then I, you know, senior, junior, senior year, I was the one with the fancy camera and my friends were going <laughs> off to college for musical theater. And they were like, hey, you've got, this good camera and we <laughs> need headshots. You got and I was the goods. like, well, I better learn how to photograph people because, you know, this seems to be a, a calling. So, yes. And then that just sort of spiraled and, and led to this like full blown career. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I, um, I kind of sh- shot it all. I did like the weddings thing. I did, I worked for a newspaper for a number of years and doing news photojournalism and then I dabbled in fashion a little bit. And that's where people really started to pay attention because in Virginia, there's not much of a fashion market and that those photos were unique. And people were pushing me saying, this is something special. You should, you know, you should pursue this. You should do something with this. Um, and ultimately I moved to New York to kind of see where that could take me. And in a nutshell, after a few years bouncing around the fashion industry in different capacities, I missed my people. I missed my performers. Um, mm. And I just didn't feel like I was finding my place in the fashion community. But I was constantly having these incredible experiences with performers. And they were oftentimes models that I would meet on set that either were performers or, or are performers or had some experience in that field. And those were the people that I really vibe with. So I thought, you know, why don't I just work with these people instead of you know, trying to find a place, trying to force uh, a place in a community where I wasn't finding a home. Sure. Absolutely. And then when did you first come to New York then? Was that? Um, I moved here in the spring of 2014. So we're coming on nine years. Wow. Incredible. And have you always been in Astoria since you arrived? Um, I've been, I was close. My first apartment was in Greenpoint, but then I bounced around Brooklyn a little bit. And it just took finding the right girl with the right apartment in Astoria <laughs> to land me here permanently. <laughs> yes. Will you tell me about your um, your partner and what it's like to have a partner who is a performer? Right. So she is a dancer through and through. Um, mm-hmm. She um, has definitely been an inspiration and a um, kind of a gateway into the community even further. You know, I had my own circle of performing friends, which is how we met was through the, that group of friends. But she absolutely you know, opened some doors for me there. But uh, it kind of gives me an opportunity to have my, my finger on the pulse of the industry and to, to hear her talking about auditions and talking about what goes on, you know, in, in the rooms um, yeah. that I might not otherwise have since I'm not a performer myself and I'm not in those rooms and I'm not facing those, those people at the table. Right. 
which can be a very daunting task. Right. <laughs> I might so I've add. heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you ever, is it, is it fun to have someone just always in your home to be like, Hey, could you come and um, stand here or put your leg up she, so I can take a picture? Is- Absolutely. My test for many, many uh, a shoot, um, you know, before a client arrives or if I want to try something new, um, mm-hmm. I usually have to coax her with some food. Um, so the photos <laughs> tend to be her uh, stuffing her face. But um, oh, yeah, no, it's great having somebody that's, that's camera comfortable kind of at my disposal anytime I need. Totally. So speaking of that, I was going to ask you, do you have any advice for people who either may just be extremely camera shy or maybe have never had their photo professionally taken, um, like from the photographer's standpoint, like is, are there things that you try to do to make people as comfortable as possible? Um, so one of my, um, one of my selling points, if you will, uh, is that I hate being photographed. I hate being on the other side of the camera. So I empathize 100% with those feelings and that stress, um, And throughout my career, I have taken many mental notes of how can I make this experience as comfortable for myself. And um, I want to make it as as comfortable for them as as it would be for me. Totally. I have had my fair share of photo shoots where I have either been the photographer or I've been the subject. So I've gotten really used to playing around with my levels of comfortability and what I, what I hope people see in an image. So mm-hmm. um, I think like my comfortability in front of a camera came from knowing that being a performer, it, it, you are being looked at, you know, and when you're on stage, especially when you're dancing, you're, you're hitting poses and you're hitting lines and creating shapes with your body that you know are being looked at. So when I'm in front of a camera, I sort of have to think of it in terms of that, of like, if my angle is this way and the light is coming from here, this is what's going to look the best for the line or for the shoe or the garment or whatever. Um, Do you think that that translated into fashion photography for you? Were, Were there instances where people were like less inclined to lend themselves to the camera? Um, yes. I think there are, are people who come in with a predisposition of what it's going to be like. And I tell folks that, you know, there's, there's only so much that I can say ahead of time um, to make you feel comfortable because the, at the, the end of every session almost everyone says something along the lines of, oh, this was way easier than I thought it was going to be. And I wish that I had the ability to sprinkle some magic fairy dust on people before they come in the door and make them feel that feeling before they even get here. Um, Sure. Because feelings of nervousness and feelings of anxiety are valid. And it's totally okay to feel those things. But also, like, you're here to be yourself and you're here to be you. And... If anything, the pressure falls on me to get to know you on a deeper level in a in a pretty short amount of time, whereas all you have to do is show up and show me. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I think about um, like my friends who obviously are close to me and are already comfortable with me being 
my subject. So mm-hmm. it's, it's much easier to be like, oh, try this. Or do you want to do this? And, you know, I've had like, like fully nude shoots or, or, you know, things that are really wacky and weird. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be an, a different experience to be in your shoes and to have people reaching out to you who you've never met before being like, hey, can you take my picture or can you do this weird thing? Do you have, do, do a lot of your clients reach out with like a fully realized concept for a shoot or does it, is it kind of across the board? Um, it's kind of across the board. It's actually pretty rare that, that folks will reach out with a an idea that's fully conceptualized, um, especially with headshots. Like they, I, I encourage people to make mood boards, um, you know, whether it's, images that just make you happy um, or images that are representative of anything of like color palettes that you love or, you know, examples of, of headshots that you love, whether they're my photos or your friend's photos or just anything. And that just building that mood board for them puts them in a much more comfortable and much more prepared headspace. But then sometimes we have uh, people like Leslie who come in with um, a, a very, very specific concept um, and a very structured idea of, of what we're going to do. And and that's also great because then I can just kind of kick back and focus on creating rather than, than building this concept. And that takes me back to the fashion days where I would have an art director or you mm-hmm. know a, a set designer or somebody that could kind of guide the shoot and I could just do the fun stuff. <laughs> Totally. I was, I was um, lucky enough to be included in that shoot in terms of makeup and I had a blast and I loved watching you shoot. Do you enjoy having collaborators in that sense of, of like you mentioned, like an art director or makeup artists or just anybody else on set? Absolutely. And like, even if we're not talking about a, a whole conceptualized shoot, if we're just talking about headshots, then like usually I will have a, a hair makeup artist on set and just having that energy and that second set of eyes um, can really make all the difference and it can, it can bring a new layer of creativity and it can also take so much of the pressure off of the clients that they don't have to be stressed out in front of the camera with the thought in the back of their mind of, Oh my gosh, is my hair where it should be or is my did I smudge my makeup when I touched my face a minute ago like there's all Uh those little things that you can get lost in that um, prevent you from really fully expressing and fully letting go Um, sure so having those people on set you know can can absolutely you know enhance the the experience and and the confidence and and ultimately the the look of the the final photos and the confidence Mm -hmm. do you have a um a favorite way or, or style to shoot in? I have many. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but do I'm tell. Inspired by, I'm inspired by lots of things. When it comes to headshots, I, I don't want to do the same thing that everybody else is doing because trends are very much a real thing in the headshot world. And mm-hmm. you look at, uh, you, you can easily look at a photo from five years ago or 10 years ago and know that that's when that photo was, was taken because of sure. what was trendy, whether it was, you know, we went through a stage where there was this bright white poppy background that everybody had. And then we had bright, vibrant colors, which are still, they can still be popular. But I think that we're kind of on the tail end of that trend right now. And we're seeing lots more neutrals, lots more natural backgrounds and textures and things. 
So while I try to follow the trends, I also like to kind of give it my own little trend setter, trend setter, John Taylor. But then when it comes to my other work, that's not headshots. Like I am so inspired by timelessness and trying to create a photo that looks like it was either shot 80 years ago or 30 years ago or yesterday. I'm very inspired by old Hollywood and anywhere from the thirties, twenties and thirties on up through the sixties, seventies. And then, and then obviously like the colors of the eighties and nineties are, are pretty trendy right now, but I just, I love old photos and I love wondering what it would be like to have been in that room at that time and to see the other photos that were made that day, not just the, you know, we've all seen the iconic photos of, of Audrey Hepburn and Marilyn Monroe, but like what, what else happened during that? Yeah. And I like to kind of bring that to my sessions and, and allow people to experience, um, you know, what, what it would have been like on the other side. Totally. That's so cool. And I mean, the photos that you create are just incredible. Some of the most beautiful photos that I've ever seen. And how much of the, the sort of vintage or like retro period look is done post shoot? Is there a lot of editing that goes into the photos to help with that feel? Or is it much more of like the setup of the shot? Um, 90% of it is going to be lighting and hair and makeup. Um, okay. Between those two things, you can get pretty darn close. And there are things that that digital photography cannot emulate, as well as shooting large format, medium format film from that time period. Um, mm-hmm. There's just a character to those old cameras and that old film stock that is different from what digital cameras provide. But there was still a surprising amount of editing done to those photos. Back in the day, even pre-Photoshop, there was a lot of editing that was done in the dark room and a lot of retouching that was done using pencils and graphite and, you know, just darkroom processes that uh, we take for granted today that we can do them in a click in, in Photoshop or, mm-hmm. um, you know, on our camera apps that took hours and hours and hours in the studio and in, in the darkroom. So I like to kind of hark back to the history and get as much of that right in camera. I use lighting that is representative of the time. And then when I'm editing, I, I try to imagine myself doing this in a, in a dark room and not just you know, on a computer. Um, mm. But still, it's, it's 90% hair makeup and, and lighting. There's... How did you learn to do the, the lighting element? I have lots and lots of books from... <laughs> Particularly like George Harrell, he was the big uh, MGM photographer back in the day that his images are just, anytime you think of, of photos of of Grace Kelly or Rita Hayworth or any of the, the old-timey noir Stars, yes. Stars, yes. All of that, almost all of that was him. And what wasn't him was other photographers that were emulating him. Mm. So I have many books on George himself or just, uh, you know, old Hollywood of that time. And then just getting into the studio and messing around and, and totally. trying to get as close as I can and just a lot of trial and error. Totes. Yeah. Well, I noticed too that when I was on set with you, one element 
of the atmosphere that you created was music. Mm-hmm. And I think you asked Leslie to put on the music that she would most mm-hmm. like to hear while she was doing the shoot. How much like creative inspiration comes from music for you? For me, it's it's more important that I tap into something in in my client and my subjects because obviously I have music playing all the time, but it's these shoots are not about me. These shoots are about giving you a mental headspace that's safe and comfortable and familiar, but also using music to to emulate the mood that we're going for. We're not going to listen to to classical music when we're shooting a hip hop look. We're going to listen sure. to things that that bring out the you know the vibe and the energy and and I love learning about how people interpret music into movement, how they interpret it into, you know, their expressions and their mood. So getting, that's one of the first things that I ask when people walk in the door is, um, you know, what kind of music we feel in? What are, what's on your Spotify right now? Or what are the things that you listen to when nobody else is around? The things that maybe you might be a little bit embarrassed um, (laughs) to share publicly, but like, this is the space that you want to do that in. (laughs) Love it. Um, Do you have a favorite camera? Do you shoot all digitally? Mostly, yes. Um, okay. All of my client work is digital. Um, I do have um, a handful of film cameras that don't see a lot of use because film and developing is so incredibly expensive right now, right. cost prohibitive. But I have I have a variety of, of 35 millimeter film cameras. Um, I have a, a large format camera. I have a couple of you know like Polaroid Instax cameras that see some use. And those come out for fun or for artistic endeavors, but most things that that you see on my website and social media are are digital. Cool. Does that make? I mean, I, I'm assuming that makes um, like the distribution process much easier too, of just much. being able to share images in seconds. Yes, pretty much instantly. Like mm-hmm. I typically have people their proofs either by the end of the day or within 24 hours, and with digital, it would, that process might take weeks. Or with film, sorry, that process might take weeks. Wow. So did you grow up in Virginia? I did. Okay, great. So in yeah, about 40 minutes outside of DC. What was your exposure to art like, uh, like growing up and in high school? I mean, it was awesome. Our schools had a great art program. I at one point thought I was going to go to school for vocal performance because I loved singing and starting, you know, at a, at a very young age, I loved singing and there's I there's knew a, I could hear it in your good voice. Bit of music. <laughs> there's a good bit of music in my family. Um, so I was exposed to to different styles of music from a very young age. So, And then all through high school, I was in every choir that our, our school offered. I was, except show choir, because uh, two left feet. But um, <laughs> I photographed it? the show choir. So, And then variously <laughs> through Glee. But of course. No, so I thought I was going to go to school for musical or for a for a vocal performance or music or music education or something. But so I, yeah, I was I was very much exposed to music and theater. And then being so close to DC, we had some of the greatest art museums in the world. Um, yeah, wow. And and then also being so close to government and the White House, I knew many of some of the greatest photojournalists to to ever live and. Photojournalism is also very special to me because it it combines my love of history and 
and documenting things and life and important events with photography. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking at your website, and I saw Mm -hmm. um, all of the beautiful photos of Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific point of view or perspective that you tend to have when you're doing photojournalism? It's important with photojournalism to to tell the story as it is with any sort of journalism and any sort of news reportage. Um, You know, you should try to remain as, as neutral as possible. Obviously, there's a love for Mr. Obama in our community and in our <laughs> world. Um, but in Virginia, it was Virginia was a very purple state, which growing up was an amazing experience because I, I didn't live in a bubble. I had exposure to all ways of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And that was very important in developing as a human, but also as a photojournalist. But those those portraits of Obama were during the uh, 2012 campaign, and it was one of his very last campaign stops because my my county kind of controlled the state, and we were a swing state. Sure, so that was a that was a very very important speech that he was giving that day, mm-hmm. and that was a wild day. Um, <laughs> that was a wild day uh, <laughs> to be invited to be so close to him. You know, I can still smell his cologne. I was standing inches from his personal photographer, who is one of the greatest photojournalists to ever live, Pete Souza. There's many documentaries about him. Wow. So that was, that was an important day for me. That was, yeah, I will think about that day for a long time, which is why those photos are the cover of my photojournalism page. Yeah, yeah. And how cool that, I mean, quite literally, it's captured for you. Um, well, okay. Well, switching gears a little bit, not that Barack Obama is not similar to a drag queen, but, um, have you ever done a photo shoot with someone in full drag? I have. Um, and they were actually a huge inspiration for what became my timeless series. Ooh. uh, One of their, one of their costumes was very vintage inspired and, I thought while I had them in the studio that I would try something that I had wanted to try for some time. And that day kind of flipped a switch for me. They did bring an obscene amount of glitter, which is to be expected. <laughs> but, um, going on two years ago now, and I'm still cleaning glitter out of the studio. Of course. Um, so I have a love-hate relationship with glitter. It's beautiful to photograph, but good Lord, is it the herpes of the craft world? <laughs> it surely is. Well, that I asked because... a very, very special session. I just saw, um, there's the new, the latest season of Drag Race is on Mm -hmm. right now. And, um, I was looking at an article and social media posts that some of the Rue girls had posted about what it's like to be photographed in drag versus out of drag and what the balance is like that you have to strike as a photographer, because when you have someone who is so specifically creating shapes and lighting on their face with makeup Mm -hmm. they are already going into it sort of telling you subliminally this is what i want my face to look like Mm -hmm. so do you do you think that that is easier for you to capture or do you think it's a harder more specific thing when when you know that like these lines on this person's face are telling the viewer's Mm -hmm. eye this is what i want you to see right so the thing with drag makeup is it often is emulating the lighting obviously like what you're saying like this is how i want my face to be lit this is where i want the shadows to fall this is where i want the highlights to fall and so much of that can be created with lighting 
alone and not without necessarily the, the extreme amount of makeup that goes into drag. So I think mm-hmm. it would be fascinating to see if a photographer is able to capture that look without without faking it with makeup, but actually doing it with real light. You know, the, mm-hmm. the sharp contour lines under the cheekbones and the the shadow that comes out from the lash um, that that's supposed to look like the you know the shadow of the eyelashes. Marilyn Monroe actually made that style very popular mm. um, of uh, creating that that shadow and that that depth there to make it constantly look like she was being lit by this like beautiful overhead butterfly. Totally. Light. So yeah, that's that's a very interesting point that I really hadn't thought of that that drag performers use that makeup to emulate that light but it would be fun to see if that could be done without as much makeup and just done using the lighting well and there are so many different styles and and you know ways that people go about their drag makeup and some of Mm -hmm. it is you know like a gender illusion some of it has really nothing to do with gender and it's more about like the art but you know there are drag queens trixie mattel who has like some of the most iconic like geometric sharp lined makeup and then there are people who do completely like soft almost human looking Mm -hmm. natural makeup in drag so i think that is interesting to think about in terms of how far you could go with just lights and and not the makeup um was there was there ever a point where you were like i'm for sure an artist you know, I struggle with that word artist um, because not so much recently. Um, I feel like I'm I'm coming to accept that that label a little bit better. But so much of what I do as a headshot photographer often feels like a, a service provider. Um, it feels sure. a little bit more customer servicey because I do have kind of this formula that I use to prepare for the sessions, to photograph the sessions. Because there is an end goal, and that end goal is to to create a product that makes you marketable. It gives you it gives your agents or gives yourself a tool to make money, you know, right. to better market yourself and to to book those book those gigs. So sometimes I begin to lose that feeling of being an artist, even though there is an artistry to it. So much of it is business and so much of it is about this end goal and this end product and making people successful sure Uh, but then i have moments where i get into the studio or i get outside and i i get to play outside of the, the rules of a headshot session and then i am reminded that i am an artist and this this feels like i've created something special that's you know, the sole purpose of it is to make people happy and not to create a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I kind of came into that a little bit more during COVID where I was creating just to create um, and not necessarily to make a living. I was, you know, we were all so artistically starved that we all just wanted to make something and we all just wanted to to put some some beauty back out into the world, whether that was on a grander scale or just, you know, scrolling through your Instagram feed. Um, oh, absolutely. That was my, I mean, shamefully, it was TikTok for me where uh-huh. I was like, well, this is the platform <laughs> yep. to to feel yep. like I I'm have, an artist. I have admittedly not fully embraced 
the TikTok yet. I do not blame you for a second. <laughs> it's it is an overwhelming platform, especially as somebody who sees the world in still frames rather than videos. And that's right. kind of where I struggle with TikTok and Reels is that there is the content is there. It just has to be created. And I I'm not a content creator. I am mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable being in front of the camera, much less being videographed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to find ways to to um, appease the algorithm gods, but sure. also be true to myself and not necessarily do things that just, it's good to do things that make you uncomfortable because that's how you grow. But then there's things that are just uncomfortable for, for the sake of being uncomfortable. And right. That's that's video for me. Um, do you think that social media and and specifically Instagram has been an influential part in your business? Oh, a hundred percent. Literally 100% of my work is booked because somebody saw me on Instagram or because somebody um, saw a photo of somebody else that they loved and they said, who shot that? And mm-hmm. that that happens almost exclusively through Instagram. I've had a few bookings through TikTok, which shocked me because I have like a grand total of three videos on TikTok. Um, <laughs> and it was, again, a situation where somebody else mentioned me in a video and and it led them to me. So... I do need to to embrace the talk, but yes, social media <laughs> Maybe is one percent and influence because it also gives me helps me keep my finger on the pulse of the industry and the trends. Um, but then to discover new people and for new people to discover me, and as much as we complain about Instagram and algorithms and what social media has done to our brains, it is it is the the foundation for my business. Uh, yeah, I don't pay for marketing. I don't pay for ads. I don't put my, I don't put ads in magazines or on billboards or it's entirely through this free platform that's been gifted to us by the social media gods. So yeah, we need it. I think it's interesting too, um, to know that even though it may seem like the world is super oversaturated with with content like that, um, specifically on Instagram, I, I do know that you are really great friends with other photographers in the city, mm-hmm. like James Jin and, and, you know, other incredible photographers. Can you talk about what it's like to, to approach your business, like without the, the competitive nature mm-hmm. of, of what you guys do? Because what you guys do is yes. so different. Right. And even the people who do similar things, I think the, the allyship is so much more important than viewing each other as competition because there are one, there are so many fish in this sea of (sighs) New York performers that totally we could triple the amount of photographers here and we would still all be working. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, competition is something that I like to, to talk about because I, my entire education in photography in Virginia was linking up with other photographers and we would all like we'd rent space together and we would like you know rent a studio for for eight hours or 12 hours and just like post on social media hey we're gonna be in this studio come on by and we would shoot photos sometimes good sometimes not so good you know (laughs) drink beers and high five and like we would that that was my education that was my entire photography education was just hanging out with other photographers and saying hey that's cool how'd you do that or looking at magazines or ads or whatever and being like i want to i want to figure this out and reverse Uh engineering these photos and that's my entire photography foundation is based on 
just being friendly with other photographers. And moving to New York, it was a little bit of a culture shock because in particularly in the DC area, photographers are very friendly with each other and very willing to help. And it's a very social community. And here it's a little bit more dog eat dog, Mm -hmm. um, which is fine because it's New York. There's, you know, that's just the, the hustler culture here. But I have gained so much more value out of life by being friends with the handful of photographers that I'm friends with. James Jin is an incredible friend. He's an incredible artist. He's an incredible philosopher. Um, he, <laughs> he takes a very, very different approach to what we do. And even though we shoot similar things and virtually all the same people, you know, we, I don't consider him competition in any way um, because people right. come to us for different things and different experiences. Um, sure. And I think it's that way with, with most of the photographers in this industry. Like in order to survive, you have to have your own little thing. And those little things are what makes us different from those other photographers. So yeah, I don't, I don't like to see each other as competition. Um, Absolutely. I respect the hell out of photographers who do what they do and they do it well, but they're also good people at the end of the day. Like I want, you know, I want to be friends with good people. And absolutely. Yeah. That's huge for me. So do you have any upcoming exciting thing that you're really excited to, to work on or to share? Do I? (laughs) We're kind of in the audition season grind right now. So like I can really only see the hand in front of my face. Sure. Um, I am going to be taking some time off in the spring to travel a little bit. And um, if anyone in Europe is hearing this right now, then uh, reach out because I'm looking yes. for friends and, uh, you know, I'll buy you a beer to, to hang out and show me your, <laughs> show me your city. Um, a bargain. That's a bargain, everyone. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just need to take a little bit of personal time. I haven't left. I can count on one hand how many times I've left the five boroughs since 2019. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. And none of them were very exciting places. So I'm, I'm going to take a, a bit of a sabbatical in the spring and do probably a month in Europe and UK. Oh, and fabulous. a lot of it is going to be soul searching, but a lot of it is going to be shooting cool things and meeting cool people. And um, oh, that sounds amazing. Take yeah. me with you. We'll see how uh, that goes, but I'm very much looking forward to that and whatever develops from that. I hope to kind of tap into the, the theater community a little bit in London. There's so many performers and photographers over there that I admire and would love to put some some personality with some faces and names. Yes, totally. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was so fun. So oh, tell, thank you tell for everyone, having me. Oh my God, any time. Um, tell everyone where they can find you, What the Instagram handle. Um, I am... Instagram at John Taylor photo, J O N not J O H N John Taylor photo. Um, and my <laughs> website is John Taylor Yay. You guys, you gotta check out John's work. It's truly incredible. And thank you so much again for being here. This was so fun. And you're such a delight. This was lovely. Congratulations on getting this thing kicked off. This is, thank this you. Is awesome. Thank you so much. You guys, don't forget to send me your emails at ohmypodyouguys at gmail.com. I'm so looking forward to sharing some stories. I want to hear theater mishaps that you've had, favorite theatrical experiences that you've had. Not just theater. I want to hear about your pottery class you took. Are you painting again? 
What's inspiring you to sing in the shower? Did your mom one time have a personal run-in with Bernadette Peters? We want to know it all. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Talk to you soon. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 